A Boy's Will by Robert Frost Read for LibriVox.org by Becky Miller Part 2 21 Revelation We make ourselves a place apart Behind light words that tease and flout But oh, the agitated heart Till someone find us really out Tis pity if the case require, or so we say, that in the end we speak the literal to inspire the understanding of a friend. But so with all, from babes that play at hide-and-seek to God afar, so all who hide too well away must speak and tell us where they are. Twenty-two, The Trial by Existence Even the bravest that are slain Shall not dissemble their surprise On waking to find valor reign, Even as on earth in paradise, And where they sought without the sword Wide fields of asphodel forever, To find that the utmost reward Of daring should be still to dare. The light of heaven falls whole and white, and is not shattered into dyes. The light forever is morning light. The hills are verdured pasture-wise. The angel hosts with freshness go, and seek with laughter what to brave. And binding all is the hushed snow of the far distant breaking wave. And from a cliff-top is proclaimed the gathering of the souls for birth, the trial by existence named the obscuration upon earth and the slant spirits trooping by in streams and cross and counter streams can but give ear to that sweet cry for its suggestion of what dreams and the more loitering are turned to view once more the sacrifice of those who for some good discerned will gladly give up paradise and a white shimmering concourse rolls toward the throne to witness there the speeding of devoted souls which god makes his especial care and none are taken but who will having first heard the life read out that opens earthward good and ill beyond the shadow of a doubt and very beautifully God limbs, and tenderly life's little dream, but naught extenuates or dims, setting the thing that is supreme. Nor is there wanting in the press some spirit to stand simply forth, heroic in its nakedness against the uttermost of earth. The tale of earth's unhonored things sounds nobler there than neath the sun. And the mind whirls, and the heart sings, and a shout greets the daring one. But always God speaks at the end. One thought in agony of strife the bravest would have by for friend. The memory that he chose the life. But the pure fate to which you go admits no memory of choice, or the woe were not earthly woe, 
to which you give the assenting voice. And so the choice must be again, but the last choice is still the same, and the awe passes wonder then, and a hush falls for all acclaim. And God has taken a flower of gold and broken it, and used therefrom the mystic link to bind and hold spirit to matter till death come. Tis of the essence of life here, though we choose greatly, still to lack the lasting memory at all clear, that life has for us on the rack nothing but what we somehow chose. Thus are we wholly stripped of pride in the pain that has but one close, bearing it crushed and mystified. Twenty-three, in equal sacrifice. Thus of old the Douglas did. He left his land as he was bid, with the royal heart of Robert the Bruce, in a golden case with a golden lid, to carry the same to the Holy Land, by which we see and understand that that was the place to carry a heart at loyalty and love's command. And that was the case to carry it in. The Douglas had not far to win before he came to the land of Spain, where long a holy war had been against the two victorious Moor, and there his courage could not endure not to strike a blow forgot before he made his errand sure. And ever it was intended so that a man for God should strike a blow. No matter the heart he has in charge For the holy land where hearts should go. But when in battle the foe were met, The Douglas found him sore beset, With only strength of the fighting arm For one more battle passage yet, And that as vain to save the day As bring his body safe away, Only a signal deed to do, And a last sounding word to say. The heart he wore in a golden chain, he swung and flung forth into the plain, and followed it, crying, Heart or death! And fighting over it, perished fain. So may another do of right, give a heart to the hopeless fight. The more of right, the more he loves, so may another redouble might. For a few swift gleams of the angry brand, Scorning greatly not to demand An equal sacrifice with his, The heart he bore to the Holy Land. Twenty-four, The Tuft of Flowers I went to turn the grass once After one who mowed it in the dew before the sun. The dew was gone that made his blade so keen Before I came to view the leveled scene. I looked for him behind an aisle of trees, I listened for his whetstone on the breeze. But he had gone his way, the grass all mown, And I must be as he had been, alone. As all must be, 
I said within my heart, whether they work together or apart. But as I said it, swift there passed me by, on noiseless wing, a wildered butterfly, seeking with memories grown dim or night some resting flower of yesterday's delight. And once I marked his flight go round and round, as where some flower lay withering on the ground. And then he flew as far as I could see, and then on tremulous wing came back to me. I thought of questions that have no reply and would have turned to toss the grass to dry. But he turned first, and led my eye to look at a tall tuft of flowers beside a brook, a leaping tongue of bloom the scythe had spared beside a reedy brook the scythe had bared. I left my place to know them by their name, finding them butterfly-weed when I came. The mower in the dew had loved them thus, by leaving them to flourish, not for us, nor yet to draw one thought of ours to him, but from sheer morning gladness at the brim. The butterfly and I had lit upon, nevertheless a message from the dawn, that made me hear the wakening birds around, and hear his long sigh the whispering to the ground, and feel a spirit kindred to my own, so that henceforth I worked no more alone. But glad with him I worked as with his aid, and weary sought at noon with him the shade and dreaming as it were held brotherly speech with one whose thought i had not hoped to reach men work together i told him from the heart whether they work together or apart twenty five spoils of the dead Two fairies it was on a still summer day Came forth in the woods with the flowers to play. The flowers they plucked they cast on the ground For others, and those for still others they found. Flower-guided it was that they came as they ran On something that lay in the shape of a man. The snow must have made the feathery bed When this one fell on the sleep of the dead. But the snow was gone a long time ago, And the body he wore, nigh gone with the snow. The fairies drew near and keenly espied A ring on his hand and a chain at his side. They knelt in the leaves and eerily played With the glittering things and were not afraid. And when they went home to hide in their burrow, they took them along to play with to-morrow. When you came on death, did you not come flower-guided like the elves in the wood? I remember that I did. But I recognized death with sorrow and dread, and I hated and hate the spoils of the dead. Twenty-six pan with us pan came out of the woods one day his skin and his hair and his eyes were gray the gray of the moss of walls were they and stood in the sun and looked his fill at wooded valley and wooded hill he stood in the zephyr pipes in hand on a height of naked pasture land in all the country he did command he saw no smoke and he saw no roof 
that was well, and he stamped a hoof. His heart knew peace, for none came here to this lean feeding save once a year, someone to salt the half-wild steer, or homespun children with clicking pails, who see so little they tell no tales. He tossed his pipes, too hard to teach a new world song far out of reach, for a sylvan sign that the blue jays screech, and the whimper of hawks beside the sun, were music enough for him, for one. Times were changed from what they were, such pipes kept less of power to stir the fruited bough of the juniper, and the fragile bluets clustered there than the merest aimless breath of air. They were pipes of pagan mirth, and the world had found new terms of worth. He laid him down on the sun-burned earth, and raveled a flower and looked away. Play? Play? What should he play? Twenty-seven. The Demiurge's Laugh It was far in the sameness of the wood. I was running with joy on the demon's trail, though I knew what I hunted was no true god. It was just as the light was beginning to fail that I suddenly heard all I needed to hear. It has lasted me many and many a year. The sound was behind me instead of before, a sleepy sound, but mocking half, as of one who utterly couldn't care. The demon arose from his wallow to laugh, brushing the dirt from his eye as he went, and well I knew what the demon meant. I shall not forget how his laugh rang out, I felt as a fool to have been so caught, and checked my steps to make pretense it was something among the leaves I sought, though doubtful whether he stayed to see. Thereafter I sat me against a tree. End of part two. This recording is in the public domain.